the breakout, gold's going to make a new all-time highs. Gold-backed ETFs in inflows of over $5 billion. $0.8 trillion gold market. Why are we the only guys to see all this Makes your head spin. Hi there. Welcome to Live from the Vault. My name is Shane Moran. I will be your host for today's episode, and we have some breaking news for you. Fasten your seatbelt. You will be the first in the world to hear this news. Uh, so I'm really, really excited. Look, if you haven't already subscribed, go ahead and hit that subscribe button, hit the bell and click on all so that you'll be notified every time a brand new episode uh, comes up. You're not going to want to miss this. Uh, also hit the like uh, button and comment, ask your questions. We'll get to as many answers as possible. And uh, look, if you are interested or already in the physical gold or silver uh, market, make sure that you download the Kinesis app. You can actually now on your debit card, you can actually spend gold and silver using this mobile app. So with that, uh, it's my pleasure uh, to take you to the UK with Talking Gold with Andrew McGuire. We're fired up, we're excited. Over to you, Andrew. Shane, it's been great to be with you again. And it's good to see you back in the office, uh, away from that lovely pool and the tropics. So, uh, um, you know, I'm sure you're, you're, <laughs> the adjustment is probably a little bit uh, tough, but uh, hey, we're locked down here. Uh, we're in, uh, it's got ice and snow out the window. Um, so really, you know, I guess we're all back in the same place now, but, you know what? Um, I also want to welcome everybody. And uh, thanks for the great questions, as Shane says. I mean, this, you know, what we're trying to do here is, is really answer the, the, the most questions we can and really put things into, into um, uh, context and, and perspective. There's so much going on. Now, so really a good place to start uh, really is the effect that Basel III uh, will it's going to have a gold priced in every single currency. Now, this is the elephant in the room. I mean, let's, let's start by picking up on that thread. Um, now, if, if subscribers want a little more information or color on this, on Basel III, please review the last episode. Now, obviously, we're going to go through some updates to that, so that's really important. But it's, it's important also to understand uh, why this is so important. Now, the magnitude of the Bank of International Settlements unallocated gold credits, which is, let's face it, that's just, we're just talking about paper gold that absolutely must be bought back or covered by June the 28th, is going to present a massive bullish driver for, the, for a higher physical gold price in every currency that is. But, <clears throat> but by default, we're also gonna see silver benefit. And we'll continue to look at this closely as it unfolds over the next few weeks, obviously. Now, in the early stages, which is what we're seeing now, and a lot of people are looking and saying, hey, it's pretty volatile, what's going on? I mean, today we have another, another dip, you know, let me look. We must expect volatility. I will explain why in a minute. But this is gonna result ultimately in what we would anticipate to be a minimum $500 move higher in gold and at least a 10 to $12 move in higher in silver into the second quarter. Now, I'm not saying that's where they're going to stop, but this is, these are the realistic expectations for gold and silver in the first, within the, by the second quarter. But some of the breaking news we're going to talk about in a minute suggests this might actually be a bit quicker. In fact, 
look, there's only 20 weeks, like 21 weeks or something until compliance date. And when accounting for derivatives along with, I mean, really glaringly obvious, very large GLD rehypothecations that will need to be squared. And again, we'll look at this in a minute, but time's extremely short here to be able to square up and I will estimate close to a trillion dollars of 100 to 1 leveraged unallocated gold contracts. Now, this is ultimately an unprecedentedly bullish condition for physically priced gold and silver going forward. Andy, well, that's a mind boggling amount of paper gold uh, to cover. And I know last time, two weeks ago, you covered the basil uh, on our call, talked a little bit about that. We're getting a lot of questions uh, Andy, about Basel and what it means and what they should do. And, and we're seeing that the buyers are, are running into this tight physical. Again, we're talking about the physical supply. They have to buy this back. If they're uh, short uh, all of these contracts, this has to be bought back. Can you maybe uh, go on and maybe go into a little bit more detail on, on Basel and how this buyback is going to affect the markets? Yeah, a great question, uh, Shane. And, and really, one of the things I really did plan to cover off in more detail today, as you say, so many questions around this. And the first thing to understand is that no physical bullion ever leads the Bank of International Settlements physical gold site account. Now, physical gold held by the Bank of International Settlements is managed by the, the, their, gold, their gold trading desk in Basel, Switzerland, but this bullion is owned by other central banks. Now, the BIS gold swaps and derivatives are currently reported at around 326 tons right now. Now, Gatter's Robert Lamborn uh, does an excellent job of reporting on this. However, granular data around the, these, these BIS, we'll call them BIS for the sake of just to shorten it down a bit, but the granular data around the BIS leases and swaps are absolutely shrouded in secrecy. Um, nevertheless, we do have empirical evidence that this reported gold is swapped in the form of directly related, freshly created, unallocated gold. In other words, gold credit that can be accessed by insiders who are privileged to have bank accounts with the Bank of England. And there are several banks that do. Now, this unallocated gold is surreptitiously lent to the commercial counterparties off balance sheet, though. And that's why it's hard to discern. So at least inception, this unallocated BIS gold is likely swapped one to one and is unlikely to be leveraged. Otherwise, it could create issues for the bank lending it. However, once this unallocated gold is lent to the commercial banks, there is absolutely no regulation that prohibits them from leveraging this leased gold further. So also the five taxpayer insured too big to fail bullion banks privileged to have these directly related gold accounts at the Bank of England know exactly when gold supply will be made available and can bet accordingly ahead of this supply being made available. Now, <laughs> Look, if this is not sanctioned insider trading, I don't know what is. Now, this way, the BIS can indirectly leverage this gold loans for their books, off their books, sorry, contain the price of gold, priced in dollars, in the foreign exchange market, 
while conveniently laying the liability on the balance sheet of these agent banks. However, following the Lehman Brothers collapse, which is in simple terms, uh, everyone will know this, but in simple terms was due to the collapse of a daisy chain of rehypothecated assets being called on all at once, which it didn't have. So Lehman was a wake up call that also shook up compliance officers in all the major gold trading houses. Now daily paper gold clearing relies on a daisy chain of LBMA member banks clearing hundreds of tons, which is trillions of gold derivatives every single day. Now counterparty risk is enormous, obviously. And if any one of these clearing members failed, the whole daisy chain would implode. Now, that's not that dissimilar to what happened at Lehman, but this is a hell of a lot bigger. So really, up until the uh, EFP paper market blew up, the exchange for physical, if you remember, go back to some of the previous episodes, we covered this in such enormous granular detail. But really, what we're saying is, if we refresh ourselves, when this market blew up in March of last year, unallocated paper gold positions could still be viewed as compliant by the banks by way of being hedged with a futures market paper position, even though really what we're saying is these positions are leveraged and undeliverable, paper to paper basically miss. And what it's done, these liabilities continue to aggregate with physical to paper mismatches ballooning to unsustainable levels. Now, hence, the paper to physical blow up we covered in the last 10 months in our live from the vault episodes. And since then, under the radar, we've reported on virtually all first and second tier global bullion bank participants scrambling to eliminate counterparty risk for their own books by going along physical gold for their own books. Now, this again, I'm going to just delay it for a minute, but there is some breaking news that is related directly to that. So, but really up until Basel through Reels rules are implemented on June the 28th of this year, there have been no regulations that have inhibited market-making bullion banks from leveraging swaps and lease gold positions multiple times in the unreported bilaterally settled derivative markets. Now, the, this, this has undoubtedly been the uh, sanctioned by the BIS as any too big to fail taxpayer insured uh, agent bank liabilities um, would, would be known by them. And, but they could be squared, uh, and, and of course they have to be squared by June 28th. And, 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 but if you think about it, anything that they cannot square by June 28th can be settled and squared by officials with a keystroke. Hey, look, what's a trillion in this day and age? A trillion rolls off the tongue. Uh, it's, it's an enormous amount of money that most people can't even comprehend. I find hard to comprehend, comprehend that as an actual physical, uh, physical money supply. But essentially, we've seen trillions and trillions of trillions of, of, of uh, bailouts and uh, and um, you know, for, for 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 the banks, what's this? What so what? Cost another trillion. This can be squared, and when it is squared, what do you think is going to do to the price of gold? And so, really, it, it it really would serve 
ultimately at this point, then it would serve the BIS and all central banks to support a higher gold price. Now that's something that we've not experienced uh, since 1971. And what, what is clear, these ballooning mismatches cannot exist in a strong physical market and have reached such epic proportion, uh, proportions by the 2007-2009 financial crisis, by the time that appeared, it was ballooned to enormous mismatches. And following this debacle was when the Bank of International Settlements, the BIS, moved to introduce reforms aimed at tightening capital requirements with the objective of reducing the risk profiles of internationally active banks. Obviously, gold price in dollars falls inside the Basel III initiative. So Andy, I um, just want to ask you a question on this. Uh, we're talking about, and it seems to me that we've, we've talked a lot about the physical versus paper, the physical versus unallocated, uh, the physical versus all of this stuff. But there seems to be right now like a massive mismatch. Uh, can you give us a, a, an idea maybe of the scale of this mismatch between physical gold and this paper or whatever, this other, this other side, this other dimension? Yeah, you nailed it. You nailed it, uh, uh, um, Shane. In, indeed, you know, this, this leverage laid on the balance sheet of lessees must actually be calculable for the BIS. However, such aggregated mismatches between what is swapped and leased is not reported on the bank's annual reports. Now, if it was, gold would be priced hundreds of dollars higher because it would be recognized that there's no physical behind these, these, uh, these positions. Now, over the last 10 years, utilizing wholesale market information, we've conservatively estimated the volume of BIS-related derivatives, which are squared at the end of each calendar month, which is the options derivative mark-to-market event, which we're gonna get again tomorrow, are, as we said, easily calculated to be in the region of $1 trillion. Hence, the multiple price smashes into the, the end of these uh, month-end um, month conditions. Have a look at the charts today. What are we doing? We're, we, even though options expire, expired exactly in the sweet spots we said, which was 25 and a half silver, and we're talking about between 1850 and 1855 gold. Soon as that was done, it started to move towards this, um, towards a BIS uh, expiry on Friday. But I don't think this is going to be a major drama event. Sometimes it is, but I think there, there's, there's really very little in the way of spec open interest to start to rinse out. You need something to cover into. If you're going to, if you're going to try and unwind a position, then you need an, the other side of that to target to actually to, to be able to, you know, complete that, that uh, task. So it has to be realized that we are in the very early stages of this deleveraging mandate. So, as I say, we wouldn't anticipate heightened volatility as these unallocated BIS contracts are squared. So just to understand, and I know there's a lot of traders here, and I'm sorry to have to, to, to make it, you know, really dumb it down. But in, in, in plain vanilla form, to understand how this works, the volatility emanates from one side of the ledger when unallocated long gold and short dollar foreign exchange contracts are squared off or closed, which is essentially saying that 
in order to get rid of an unallocated contract, what you have to do is sell the gold and buy the dollar, square it. Now this involves selling these gold longs, buying dollars, and when timed with coordinated price smashes, this has been very effective in creating unnecessary volatility, really to disincentivize gold investments. Now this explains the action through the first four weeks of January, which we are now concluding on Friday. Now on the other side of this ledger, it's not all bad, on the other side of this ledger, as more investors holding unallocated gold accounts seek to convert them and take delivery in allocated form, it forces these banks to source at least 99 ounces of physical gold for every 100 ounces demanded. And as we've evidenced in March 2020, those banks still reporting holding long gold unallocated positions can be targeted for delivery of these contracts. And that is exactly what blew up the paper to physical EFP conduit in March 2020 and was the, the, the reason we saw banks exiting from, uh, from, from uh, high counterparty risk positions. Now, it is this concoction of the unwind attempts that is driving this short-term volatility. However, ultimately, this is very bullish. Now, obviously, you, if you're a stacker, you can take advantage of this because you, any dips down are just simply huge value when you're talking about a price, a gold price that's worth some $500 below value and at least uh, a you know, $10, $12 uh, ramp in silver. And this BIS defensive action that commenced on January the 6th on the opening trade, uh, well, 4th, but it really rose until the 6th and then it got smacked. What that's evidenced is a series of consecutive fixed painting exercises, i.e. to technically uh, paint the PM gold fix a little lower to, to uh, basically create a negative uh, trend. However, when looking at the footprints through a wholesale market lens, these fixed painting efforts point directly really to Basel III preparations, which is actually a bullish thing, namely an attempt by the BIS to unload as many unallocated contracts as possible, which are directly related to large rehypothecated GLD holdings. Now, GLD being the, uh, the ETF that, uh, that uh, is the primary ETF for gold. And these holdings must be marked to market on the deadline of June 28th. Wow, Andy, we just mentioned the this large uh, GLD paper position that needs to be squared. Okay, we went through that. Now, does this apply to silver or the SLV? Or is there a correlation there? Yeah, you know, again, Shane, I mean, GLD is, 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 is actually, we talk about the elephant room. GLD is the mammoth in the room. Hundreds and hundreds of tons of gold that supposedly flowed into GLD and SLV, for that matter, after the March debacle, um, had to be delivered in unallocated form. There was nothing available. If you remember, we talked about this, there was no physical available for sale during this period. Look, the Swiss refiners weren't just on a slowdown because of COVID, they were shut down. And the physical market was absolutely frozen. Yet hundreds of tons were supposedly entering this gold ETF and the SLV silver ETF during this period. There was a scramble 
to pull the curtain over this event, but it simply drew attention to the multiple ownership structure of bullion sitting, supposedly bullion, sitting in this trust. So just to understand that people say, well, I've invested in GLD, I've invested in SLV, why well, maybe a hedge fund, I've got exposure to gold. Yeah, but what, you, what you're failing to capture is that the off and on ramps for GLD and SLV are conducted by way of unallocated bullion, which is then supposed to be allocated once it enters the vault, the trust. In fact, it's just not feasible for most GLD investors, and I put investors in inverted bracket, to withdraw bullion from the trust, as it would be actually delivered to them in unallocated form at a price that will still have to be bilaterally negotiated at a large premium to spot. So you would still have to go to the market saying, I've, well, I've got this spot index price, but some people are gonna to say to you, yeah, but I'm not gonna sell it to you at that. So that's where the, the rubber meets the road. So really what we're saying is holders of GLD believe they have a physical ownership stake in the trust. However, given it is, and I mean SLV too, obviously, however, given it is all possible to borrow and short sell, officially, you can go on the website and you can see, you can short sell and borrow GLD and SLV inventory. And it's possible to finance this borrowing against these positions with leveraged, unallocated bullion that is clearly not the case either. I mean, so this is, this is a, I mean, it's so obvious that this is not, um, that it's not physical. It's just beyond comprehension that people would think this was physical when you can actually uh, borrow against it and short sell it. Um, in other words, so hopefully, then you've created a counterparty risk where can that person who borrowed it, can they pay it back? And as we discussed last time, and also we made public in a recent Arcadia interview, GLD and SLV are the paper market's Achilles heel. And based upon the counterintuitive action, these massive rehypothecated holdings are the focus of the BIS unwind exercise. But as GLD inflows and outflows do not represent this physical bullion priced in the real world, these flows simply represent unallocated gold credits, which really fixed at the spot PM price. So therein lays the problem. When looking to convert an, this over-the-counter spot gold foreign exchange position into real physical, insider the credit holder must still find a willing seller at a price much larger than they've, than they've actually received credit for. So given all the GLD positions must be allocated on June the 28th, and with spec open interest to cover into running very thin, as we just mentioned. Yes, you can create volatility. Yes, you can, you can short sell. You can create dips in the market. But you need someone to cover into. And it's running very, very thin. And we see this bearish trade reversing, requiring much higher prices to square off the recent inflow of these rehypothecated GLD positions. You cannot possibly get to June the 28th and say, uh, and without actually attesting to the fact that this actually is compliant with BIS rules. Now, to provide a perfect example of how deeply rehypothecated these trusts are, now the Silver Trust, the SLV, 
look, that provided a perfect, we've seen lots of these cases, but this is a perfect example, was um, the last Thursday, where we supposedly saw over 600 tons of, of silver flow into the trust. This is absolutely impossible, not just implausible, it's impossible. Now, if we look, calls to our close European and Swiss banking sources tell us that no silver bullion moved in physical form in Europe or the UK to, evaluate, to validate a 600 ton inflow. Just not possible. Okay, so you might say, well, that only leaves the US as a possible source for delivery. And, but we're equally certain that no physical silver held by the house accounts of JP Morgan, uh, Standard Chartered, Ital would be sold into, uh, into, into the trust at current spot prices. Why would you do that? You're busy accruing physical silver in the knowledge that it will be priced much higher. Why would you unload that? No, no, you're not going to do that. So what is recorded as delivered is little more than silver credit in unallocated form. Well, Andrew, you're talking about silver now for our silver fans. I know we've got a lot of gold fans here, uh, but also silver. It seems to me there will be event, eventually an upside gold price reevaluation. When this happens, what does it mean for silver, for example? Yeah, Shane, as we discussed in our last episode, silver will be a massive beneficiary of the unwind of this undeliverable, unallocated uh, uh, contracts, uh, silver contracts. Now, paper silver positions will have to be closed. This is extremely bullish for silver and why every major bullion bank is loading up on physical silver. And as a result, dips will be competitively jumped on by both good and bad actors. And now, as a very large percentage of SLV holdings represent unallocated silver credit, and not a physically delivered price, SLV will also evidence short covering of unallocated, highly leveraged positions, as well as the short covering of borrowed silver. Now, you'd be crazy to hold a short position in silver if you were not 100% hedged with physical. I have a strong feeling, as we've said, that none of these uh, positions, which are supposed to be hedges for physical, are actually backed by physical. These, you can borrow, you can take an unallocated contract and borrow against an unallocated contract. Now, these same banks, and I'm talking about the banks, the liquidity providers and trading houses that we deal with, value silver at a minimum, minimum of 35 bucks into the second quarter of 2021, if not before. Now, once silver closes, there is a technical gap. We've been talking about this for a little while, and it hasn't got there yet. We need to get a technical gap closed between 26,225, so remember that number, and a, a move up to 35. Now that will be, that's kind of like really a $9, $10 move that we would see as a minimum. That really just takes uh, silver back to where it was in 2012, but there's a big gap to fill there. And it will take no prisoners on the, uh, into $50 either. And, and again, we, as we've said multiple times, once silver gets into the 30s, a huge amount of sound, sideline money is gonna roll into it. And we're gonna see a lot of short covering. So what we are is 100% certain 
that every insider, along with every first-tier bank, is filling, filling their boots with all the physical silver they can get. And they're busy taking delivery of all this, uh, anything that's on offer, any silver that's on offer, so deep below fair value. This is a no-brainer. I mean, the upside profits in silver are off the scale, not just for the March contract, but as we move further in towards this June, this June uh, expiry. In fact, looking at the options structure, as we've said, we knew that silver would not close below 25. And we also knew that gold wouldn't close below 1850 and options expired. Yes, okay, so now we see some volatility going on today. Why? Bank of International Settlements, mark to market OPEX event. This should be a wake up call for everybody. This is a scramble to cover, nothing else. Well, Andrew, I know that we have some breaking uh, news that we talked about just before we started recording here. But before we get into that, I think it'll tie right in here because last episode and one of the most asked questions that we're getting is, you know, we talked about the bullish effects that Basel III uh, will have on the price of gold. Uh, and can we maybe just circle back because we're hearing and we're getting a lot of questions on people are worried about, hey, is this really happening or can it be delayed? Will it be delayed? Maybe you can uh, touch on that because we're, there's all kinds of you know, different stories coming out now around this very topic. Yeah, and, and this is good because this breaking news couldn't have come at a better time because I know you're right, Shane. There's been so many questions about this, that so many doubts that, and questions that Basel III, uh, the rules will be implemented. Will they or will they not be implemented by June the 28th? There's so many uh, bad actors in this game who are highly influential. But I'm going to explain why it has to be implemented regarding, and I know the LBMA have been fighting this tooth and nail. Obviously, these are the guys that are running this Ponzi scheme. And, you know, where, where you've got really thousands of, literally tens of thousands of tons of gold and silver cleared every year amongst a daisy chain of, of uh, member banks with no physical really required to back those up, or, or fractionally held physical. Now, so as we discussed over the last few weeks of our, and we've, we've been talking about this over the very, I think at least two episodes ago, uh, Basel III net stable funding, fund, funding ratio standards coming into onto the front burner in uh, that came onto the front burner in march but then that's when we started really talking about it but then uh, but but really has to then move further into it's really starting to hit the front the, the front burners now as we move into january as we said there's only 20 odd weeks to this deadline uh, what it's going to do it's going to begin to devalue unallocated gold and begin to treat physical gold at very close to an equivalent cash asset. That, that's the bottom line of it. And given unallocated gold receives an 85% haircut in June, this is a game changer and telegraphs that an officially sanctioned gold price revaluation re re is absolutely unavoidable. The BIS is behind this. And we explained the reason why this compliance is so important for the global economy. Now, this timing actually jives with 2,500 gold revaluation target, which was assessed by most of the first year banks. We've been, that's, nothing has changed since when we first 
proffered that target um, some, some episodes ago. Now, there's been an awful lot of concerns that the LBMA's attempt to obtain an exemption from this unallocated gold haircut, 85%, it makes the gold, unallocated gold trading imp impossible, too expensive and impossible. And having failed to do that, they moved to try and delay the implementation of these rules and they've managed to get a six month extension. However, even though they got this six month extension, it's not gonna halt the, the revaluation process as most importantly, the US, Switzerland, and the EU impl will, will implement this 85% haircut on unallocated gold by June 28th. Now, given physical gold is completely fungible, not for a nice bar, it's fungible from in every country in the world, doesn't matter where you are in the, in, on the globe, because it's fungible and that the primary gold, gold, uh, global physical trading hubs and refineries are centered in Switzerland and Europe, the primary ones are, and that all the market-making LBMA bullion banks also have a physical presence in the EU and Switzerland, like a lump it, the LBMA will largely be exposed to these standards at the same date. And despite all their stamping of their feet, now, it will impact the hundreds of tons of the unallocated gold that we talk about clearing every day by the LPMCL. Uh, and these, the members banks, member banks really that, that do this clearing um, really just settle these paper contracts amongst themselves. But what this does is this actually opens up a massive arbitrage opportunity for a physically starved market at the current diluted unallocated price. Only a, gold, a higher gold price will incentivize more bullion to be put on offer. And that is what we're gonna see. So also, these LBMA banks exposed to the EU and Swiss compliance will not be able to shuffle paper market settlements, uh, positions for settlement, which they've traditionally done. Um, if it's not backed by physical, which it isn't. And this is not the case now. As we've always stated, it only takes one of the daisy chain of LBMA bullion banks breaking rank to short circuit the KBAL's paper shuffling scam, just like happened with, with Lehman, but much, much larger. Now, even if, I mean, COVID-19 rules have been used as, I mean, I mean, excuses, I mean, were used to try and delay this implementation but the cat's out of the bag, guys. And with at least a $500 uh, higher price anticipated into the second quarter, we're gonna see first tier banks adding to their long books, physical. It's already obvious that no one, and absolutely no one is naked short gold. You'd be crazy in this circumstance with such a, uh, with such a limited time span to actually be naked short gold unless you had something to cover into. But as we've said, it's very, it's cover, cover for, for your positions is very, very, very small. So it's an equation. And if, you, if the equation is no good, you better start covering. You better start buying physical. And furthermore, way into this bullish uh, wave, as I say, when, these, when the speculators realize that they are actually, there's nothing left to, to rinse, 
And when those speculators are mostly rinsed out, which we've seen in the, in the COT reports ourselves, that really, what, what, where's the cover? And, and there isn't any cover. And that's really gonna cause more and more physical buyers to come in. So in summary, uh, implementing these NSFR rules will extinguish and forced to mark to market any unallocated gold contracts that are not closed or squared by June 28th, period. Now the closing of billions of dollars of unbacked unallocated contracts is required to comply with these net stable funding ratio rules. Now this, this is required ahead of a sanctioned and very necessary gold price revaluation. And as I say, we, the timing jives with 2,500. So finally, on this note, and I will end with some unprecedented and time-stamped here on Tuesday news, as yet unreported anywhere else, which I've just received firsthand, a very, very, a very reliable um, banking friend, three Swiss banks just moved to comply with Basel III NSFR standards immediately. And that is, we're talking some whales here. We're talking UBS, Credit Suisse, Julius Baer for three, and there will be more, that will no longer allow third-party custody. All of these banks are exiting this business, only allowing physical gold to be stored. This is huge news. This is going to affect, this is going to speed this process up. There's a scramble, guys, to get out of unallocated. And these rules really apply to the European banks, Swiss banks, and, although, and the US banks. And if you think for a minute that the LBMA, uh, who've been threatening to try and scupper this and try and drag it out, can do that when when the, even their own member banks in these jurisdictions are forced to actually cover and get out of this business, it ain't gonna happen, guys. So what I'm saying is, look out above, because once this short-term volatility is out of the way, gold and silver will be significantly higher in price. Well, there you have it, another episode of Live from the Vault, and I hope you enjoyed that breaking news. You're the first in the world to hear about this, and make sure you hit that subscribe button. If you already haven't done that, do it right now. Uh, again, if you hit the bell uh, and you click on all, you'll be notified every time a new episode comes up. You don't want to miss, especially in this time in history, you don't want to miss any of these uh, episodes. So with that, thank you so much for visiting, and we'll see you next time on Live from the vault. Bye for now.